Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. Hey, this is Jose Ignacio Alfaro, producer of Are We Still Talking About This? In this episode, Jessica and Adam speak with stand-up comedian and writer Laurie Kilmartin. Laurie's new book, Dead People Suck, A Guide for Survivors of the Newly Departed, contains 50 hilarious chapters about death, grief, losing a parent, and hospice. Links to Laurie's works, as well as links to resources and topics discussed, can be found in the episode description. Do you have thoughts about this podcast? Is there anyone you would like to hear Jessica and Adam interview? Leave us a comment or rating and let us know. You can follow us on Instagram at Are We Still Talking About This? This show can be found on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and Acast. Now, without further ado, Laurie Kilmartin. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Me, I'm like old school style, like straight up stand up girl i like joke punchline yes me so too. And, and laurie's got jokes so we are so excited to have <laughs> laurie Martin on the show today thanks um tonight we are at a club in california los angeles flappers actually it's a rainy night feels like new york and we started the podcast off talking about new york comedy and la and you know, sometimes I think L.A., I'm, this is going to be controversial, but L.A. comedy kind of has a bad rap amongst New Yorkers because it's not, it's just different. You know, when New Yorkers don't have the patience for comedy that is, you know, sort of being worked out on stage. I don't know. Maybe I'm just biased here. What do you think, Adam? So you live tweeted your dad's death. <laughs> oh, yes. That too. Yeah. Yep. That too. That was yeah. fantastic. Thank yeah. you. I Thanks. mean, I really think that was one of the more powerful things that I've, I've seen in a while. We do a lot of like a trauma and mental health content on this as well as uh, comedy. Oh, cool. So feel free to, to let we it We like rip. to talk about anxiety 
We're both I am, anxious people, so this is what we like to talk about. Yeah, I'm all in on death comedy. I wrote a book about it, and I did a special yeah. about it, and um, I I kind of well, I mean, I'm not done with death, but <laughs> but it, I, I, after a while, I was like, I'm, I kind of got my dad's death out of me, and um, I'm ready to just sort of be a normal mourner now, and not just. Uh like in a pri- some kind of primal scream but it took it took a lot of a lot of jokes and a lot of writing and stuff like that to do it. Can you talk a little bit about how that came about? Yeah, I was I went home um I work at Conan and my dad had had cancer for like 8 months and then all of a sudden it was downhill and oh. someone had told me this and it's so true when it starts to happen it's like really fucking fast. You you can't believe it. It's like all, the car is going 15 miles an hour and then all of a sudden you're going 100 towards, you know, the white light. So Mike Sweeney, I, I said, you know, my, I think my mom had called me from the doctor's office and was like, well, they sent your dad home to hospice. And, you know, it's it hasn't happened to me yet. So I'm like, um, I, I couldn't I couldn't wrap my head around it. And then the head writer, Mike Sweeney, um, was like, oh, you got to leave right now. <laughs> so I, I went home. I think I went home that night to Northern California or the next morning. And I just stayed there. Normally, whenever I would go back to my parents' house, I'd go out and do spots in San Francisco just because just to get out of the house. And I didn't want to leave my dad's side. So I just started tweeting jokes that I was kind of writing down to work on that night. You know, I decided not to leave the house. So that's sort of how I responded to it on Twitter. And then people started paying attention to that and kind of following me through the whole thing. And it, I think my, it took nine, maybe nine or nine and a half days from when I wow. got home to when he, when he died. Yeah. Did, did the joke stop when he died? No, no, no. Then you're, then you're into death certificates and uh, insurance and people calling up and asking for your dad and the funeral. I mean, my dad's funeral got bumped because... <laughs> We were scheduled for a Sunday, and then and my dad died on a Sunday, and the church that he went to his entire life or in California, they booked, they booked his funeral the next Sunday. And then later that day on the Sunday my dad died, a young person died. Oh, no. And then the church calls us like on Tuesday, and they said, you know what? This person's going to have a lot of mourners because she was in high school. Ugh. So How'd she die? It's... Uh, iPhone on the train tracks. Oh, my so kind of her God. fault, and they, no they they bumped your dad. Way. I can't comment. Yeah, I can't comment. But that is fucked up. Oh, it was. I mean, it fucked up. For, I mean, you can't complain to that family. I mean, they're in their worst kind of grief you possible. Can't compare deaths. I don't, I'm just saying there might be a parenting gap if you're jumping on the tracks <laughs> for an oh iPhone. Oh my God! Well, but comparing death. That's well, fucked. The thing is, is like my daddy was 82, so most of his friends were already dead. They had already, you know, left their metaphorical iPhones on train tracks. And Did so, they say that? They said, well... Yeah, they said your dad's not going to have so many people. She, hers going to be flooded. <laughs> oh, my God. And we can't, they go, we can't do two funerals in a day. I mean, is there like a door fee? Do they... Are they look worried this about the is, draw. I actually had to bark people in to get come to see my dad's funeral because the, we'd had people <laughs> buy plane tickets. Bumps, right? Because it, like it's a comedy show. That's, That's what it felt like. Running. It felt like, yeah. I was as mad as if Chappelle had walked in right. to work out an hour right in front of my set. Right. <laughs> you know, just stuff like that happened. And in the program, they they wrote. We had a one of the readings was I think it was a letter from Paul to the Philippians. What? 
Filipino? No, Philippines? they wrote Philippines in the program. And I'm like, you're a fucking church. You're the Catholic church. How are you doing this wrong? It's to Philippians, right? They're I'm called a Philippians. Jew. I have no idea what okay. you're talking about. I thought you were talking uh-huh. about people from the country of the yeah. Philippines. No, 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 no. like a nursing Paul death. writes a letter to the Philippians, and it's a letter about Jesus. I, I don't remember anymore, but it's a thing in the Bible, and in the second, obviously, not the, your testament, right, the but fake the second one, one. The shitty sequel that we don't no, yeah, yeah. acknowledge <laughs> right. exists. There's so many... Things like that that just kept going wrong. They, wow. Verizon, we brought my dad's iPhone to Verizon and they, or my mom's iPhone with all my dad's voicemails on it. And she had also forgotten her password, you know, just regular old people stuff. And they deleted all these voicemails oh instead God. of getting them. And it was like things like that that just kept going wrong. And then, you know, just regular grief stuff and going through someone's things and the color guard. We had a military funeral because my dad was a Korean war vet and I was holding the the flag, which was folded into a triangle and I kind of put it under my arm like a clutch because I had to tie a Coke <laughs> and the guy yelled at me. He's like, oh you're supposed God. to hold it with two hands. They get very, he goes, uh, the flag is a two handed yeah. hold. And I'm like, well, what about my Coke? Oh, geez. So yeah, I mean, it's just like anything else in life. Everything is, Everything goes wrong, slightly wrong, you know, and then you just sort of document it. I bet a lot of people connected with that, the fact that you were kind of using humor as a, a coping mechanism. Yeah, I think so. There. Yeah. So I think a lot more people do that that aren't comics than uh, talk about it. I yeah. remember my, my grandmother, who, uh, she was pretty old, 92, 93, was in hospice, and it was, you know, yeah, I'll have to go down there and you watch like the last gasps that she's being morphined out. And I'm sitting there with. Uh, what do you mean morphined out? Like, oh, they shit. gave her enough. Uh, uh, how do I rephrase this? Right now? <laughs> yeah. Or some, sometimes in a care facility, how should I say this? When they realize that uh, the suffering is going to go on, they kill the person by giving them an intentional amount of morphine. Right. Which we Making may or may not have, have, yeah, facilitated a little, yeah. But uh, so we're in the room, and we know okay. it's kind of. And I'm there with with my two brothers, and it was uh, what was that Pokemon Go, which you might be familiar with because yeah. your son was was big at the time, yeah. So I see my brothers on on, on the phone, and I like my grandmother's eyes are kind of rolling back, and her mouth is opening in the O face, like not the orgasm O face, like right, office, yeah, but yeah, the, yeah. the death one. And so we're sitting there, we're looking. I see my brother take his phone out, and he hits a little little button on it. And he shows me, and in that moment, he had captured a little Pokemon by her dead head, oh and I, 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 I lost, I lost my shit, and I. It's the first time I ever told him about this, and uh, I go down. And I had to like walk outside, like I was crying, but I, but I wasn't, and it was fantastic. Hilarious. At least it wasn't in her open mouth. I that would have been better. Oh God. <laughs> oh my God. Do they have like a Brutal. serpentine Pokemon? I, I don't know. Will not allow my grandchildren near me when I'm dying. Yeah. I would like to be completely <laughs> alone. I don't want to be witnessed by these little shitheads and their who knows what technology they'll have at the time. Yeah, I, I always I think about death all the time. I always think about like if I like I might get scared um like flying planes, right? Mm-hmm. I'm always traveling. I'm like, oh man, if there's a mechanical problem, if I die, you know, I always think about like what people will find. I mean, I don't have that many incriminating things, but just like, you know, I, I just don't like to know what people would uncover. Um, I don't have secrets. I don't. It's not even about secrets. It's just things. It's just you like know, what writing. things. Writing. Like specifically, what? Where would I find this writing? If you don't <laughs> I, I don't even know. And so it's just interesting. It's like going through. Like you know, when someone passes away, you know, you go through their journals, you mm-hmm. go through their belongings, and all that stuff. And I always think about that constantly. It's pretty dark, I guess. Yeah, we mm-hmm. when after my dad died, I, I found this little cassette recorder. 
And uh, there's like a mi- micro cassette in it. So it's from the 90s, like when those things were big in Radio Shack. And um, and we push play. And I'm like, what's going to happen? And my dad, my dad had recorded this thing for his brother. His brother loaned him or gave him money. I realized, you know, as I was listening, and then I went through some of his papers later, like how close he was to bankruptcy and losing the house and everything. And I my sister and my mom and I were all listening. Like we, my dad sounded so sad. It was such a, I, I thought it would be, I didn't know what it would be, but it was such a weird, you know, way to end a day. Like the day he had died, just to hear him oh, feel that was, so that was sad. The day he died? I think so. That's yeah. Be, brutal. You're maybe, brutalizing yourself. Like Why'd you hit play? <laughs> yeah. I thought it would be a little more upbeat or, so, or like a, Hey guys, I'm dead, but you know, go. <laughs> but oh, it was man. something I'm sure his brother never even heard it. And it, and it was so, strange that he recorded it i was like is this was he gonna kill himself and this is a recording i mean probably not but it was just an odd way to express thanks to a brother is to leave a recording oh yeah maybe it was it's a little eerie no Mm -hmm. but he also traveled he worked in a lot of dangerous countries so he might have just left it right there just in case was he intelligence no um, he was an engineer, but he happened to work in a lot of places where there was CIA activity. But from what I can tell, he was a pure, you know, dam engineer. He he built dams. I was just briefly looking over some of your stuff, which I've always thought was, was excellent last night. It really just impressed me again with how amazingly sharp your writing is, which of course makes sense because you're a writer for Conan. People don't get how preposterously hard that like job is in the pantheon of comedy writing to me that is <laughs> kind of up at the the top. But I also noticed how you just sublimely handle hecklers. Like I know there's that genre of comedian destroys heckler and it's them yelling at the heckler or something. Mm-hmm. But I kind of I kind of like to not lose my cool and just sort of let them hang themselves. Which like that's the, the most delightful thing. It takes longer. And, yeah. and then by the time you get there, the crowd is totally on your side. And so that's kind of the way I like to do it. It's so rewarding they, to watch. It is. Like because, a tantrum. Yes, it is. And they're, they're stupid and they're drunk. So <laughs> nothing they say is going to save them. It, they always make it worse. Like every word they say is just another shovel in their grave, you know, it's uh, a little more dirt out of the, out of the grave so yeah that's the way i like to do it yeah the way you describe it is like a timeout do you mean like go to your room go and hang out by yourself yeah yeah, yeah yeah right yeah yeah my kid draws a lot what kind of stuff uh he's into manga right now now yeah. you have to forgive my ignorance but i confuse that word with the other word that means like octopus tentacle pornography oh that's hentai right he's that's not a different- as a 12 year old not into octopus porn that's good yeah. right yeah that is good yeah um, i think i've done my job as a mom you really, I, I was a, a teacher for a while, and you'd be shocked how many 12-year-olds are into some version of octopus tentacle porn. You know, have you guys watched Pen15 yet? I just no. started it. It's pretty fucking great. Um, I'm horrified at how sexual the seventh graders are, because my kid's a sixth mm-hmm. grader. And I'm, it's, it's, it's like, no, no. <laughs> That's got to be Hollywood writing. That can't be real. When I was 13, I was in chat rooms, yeah. chatting, age, sex, location, yeah. doing that stuff. We were taking Polaroids. We're doing digital, you know, th- you know, throwaway disposable right. cameras and yeah. doing all kinds of weird stuff. What were you doing with the Polaroids? Uh, we were just taking naked photos of each other. And you know, that's wow. distributing child pornography, yeah, right? Know. You know, like they'll I charge would, you for that. Of if course, you're a kid. we would take photos. You know, we would. That's yeah. what we do. And then mail them again to who? No, 
we got mail though. We keep them around. Just trade them like a like baseball. Yeah, my yeah. thought it was like Why a sex not? addict or That's something. You, 1996. Like these, I got a 1996 like a, Jessica Pilot. <laughs> yeah, they found like a drawer of like nudes. You know, of all the you know all the class. You know all the. Wow. You just so left weird. the 12-year-old nudes in a drawer for years and years until your parents could find them? No. Woody Allen could find them. Yeah. That no. is nice, though, to have pictures of yourself when you're 12. Like, when you're <laughs> like 60, 14, you'll be like, oh, 15. my God, it looked so good. Well, it's weird. Yeah. Actually, I weird. saw them. I'm like, oh, my God, this is disturbing. It is disturbing. I, I mean, it's. I'm not disturbed by you, but the it's thought of my son. It's Kmart. Kmart just um, actually developed the photos. Oh my god! I think th- they were the disposable cameras oh. as well. So we would we would buy the disposable cameras for nine ninety nine, and then and sure. with the and the deal with disposable cameras is you could at Kmart you have a special where they'll develop the film for free. We're like yay! You know thirty photos. Bang, 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 ooh, show me your tits. You know. Oh, I guarantee you. Did you have got tits copies. as a twelve year old? They well, no, absolutely I, no, do. I stuffed my bra. Ah. There's it a Kmart. Me. I was the director. I was the I was yeah, child and, and that's why you don't raise children in Manhattan. <laughs> There's exactly. a Kmart cashier sitting mm-hmm. on millions of dollars worth of nudes yeah. right now. Well, I'm sure you so scan them and said, monetize them at this point. I don't know if it's better now yeah. or what, but... Yeah. Yeah, that's... Uh, I can never leave my son alone. Yeah. That's basically it. That's the what intern- Felicia Michaels told me. She's like, it's about to get worse. I got news for you. Because I'm like, I can't wait. I'll be out every night. I don't have to worry about my kids. She's like, oh no, now you're going to have to watch everything he does. Do you monitor his cell phone? He doesn't have a cell phone. Okay. Um, I got him a uh, like a flip flip phone that I haven't activated yet. Okay. Um, so we'll see. And is he? And what about for internet? Uh, at the house. Yeah. What do you think is the most horrifying thing that you could walk in on your son doing? I can tell you what my mother saw. Okay. Which was, I think, because the way I learned how to use a computer was just, it was the age where you had to learn to like the little pornographic JPEGs to slowly download. So I had figured that out and I think it was a, a photo of like Stephanie Seymour bound up or something. Oh, I know that picture. I remember that. It's kind of famous. Yeah, so, so I was just down there. I think it was in seventh grade, just masturbating to that. And oh, then she wow. just came down and, and paused for an inordinate amount of time till I think she made sure that I turned around and saw her. And then it was like a, ooh, and then walked upstairs. You Horrifying, had your it? penis in your hand. Oh yeah. And your mom stood. Stood there till I turned around and like acknowledged because I saw like a weird reflection or something. But there oh, was definitely a disturbing. pause of, of time because it was like a suburban house in Maryland, yeah. so there was a basement. So you like go down. That's I don't. I hope I don't do that. I I know that's about to be a thing. I'm sure work really close like he's like when i was leaving for this he was just coming home and he's like oh mom we mostly hang out together and the tv it's a very tiny space so there's no there's no place to get away and masturbate <laughs> you know maybe it's probably the bathroom will be a serial killer because of that but um yeah i i know it's happening i i i, just, I know from felicia that it's it's coming it's coming for me that sounds sweet though yeah, I like that. I always wanted is a weird thing about me. Like I, I wanted a teenager. I just didn't want a kid up to the teenager. <laughs> From when I taught, I would, I would sometimes was at risk teens, and I'm like, I could adopt this kid. But the like the the early stuff horrifies the shit out of me. Yeah, um, every every stage is um, horrible. Yeah, and for different reasons. You know, like, I don't think it was until like I turned thirty that my parents were like, "Oh, we're sort of happy with you." Wow. So they were worried about you? I mean, I was just, I was reckless teen. I was, you know, as, as a, you know, 
always just wild. And you grew up in Manhattan? Yeah. Where? Grew up um, downtown and then uptown. My parents got divorced. Um, I was a wild, I really was a wild teen. I feel like movies have been made about that life. Like a teen kind of growing up without total parental supervision in Manhattan. In a way, I think it it was good because I got it all out of my system. So Mm -hmm. by the time it was like I was able, like it was legal to drink, I still didn't have a state ID. I still don't actually have a passport. But um, because I had already, and I remember I was like, I'm 21 and I got carded with my fake ID because I didn't bother to get a real ID because I was, you know, 24 when I was 17. (laughs) You know, so I was like going out. You know, I, was, I, had my, I remember I had my tongue pierced, my nipples pierced. I remember I came home, I had my tongue pierced at 15. And I, I remember I going home and I'm like, okay, I want to get my tongue pierced on St. Mark's for like $30, like a legal place. Oh my God, you were 15, 15 alone on St. Mark's? Well, I was with my best friend and she's like, let's get our tongues pierced. I'm like, yeah. Whoa. You know? And so I was like, all right, let's do it. So I get my tongue pierced and I had to go home and I had to pretend because you have to like let it heal for the night. So I was like, okay, I'm going to go home, go right to my room. I'm not going to talk to my mom or my dad, you know, stepdad. I'm just going to be quiet and I'm going to let my tongue heal overnight because it should be fine by morning. Right. Of course not. Of course (laughs) I go in and my mom was like, what the, you know, what, what's wrong with your mouth? As soon as oh, she no. saw me, because I was like, because I look like, you know, there's like this cat named um, Little Bub. Yeah. With the cat. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, with yeah. With the tongue hanging out. <laughs> the cat has like a problem with the tongues hanging out. Uh-huh. Well, my tongue was so infected and inflamed that my tongue was hanging out of my mouth. Oh, my God. Because it was a bad piercing. Oh, no. And so my mom was like, you need to take it out right now. Even though my tongue was so swollen. Yeah, it's close. How can, can take you it take it out? Well, so we, we, we took it out. Remember, I took my tongue out. My tongue was picking out. And we unscrewed. And it was like, bleh, 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 bleh. it was like a whole thing. And I was, I was like, well, I'm not taking my nipple piercing out. <laughs> and I went to high, and I was in high school, and I wouldn't wear a bra. I want everyone to see that I had you know, nipple piercing. Sure. Bright mm-hmm. pink hair. Yeah. You know, I had like leather, you know, boots. Prison. So I was just like, all right. Okay, so no tongue piercing, but uh, yeah, it was it was it was really crazy. Wow, it wasn't um, that crazy though? But now it's like I'm so I feel like I'm so normal, even though I work in comedy. I feel like yeah. working in comedy, you have to be so, a little fucked up, a little yeah, weird. yeah, yeah. Like I would hope so, mm-hmm. actually, if that makes sense. Yeah, to be attracted to it, sure. Yeah, and to also like be like really interested in good comedy, you mm-hmm. have to have some. You don't have to like be in a state of depression or fucked up but maybe have gone through some shit fucked up things need to resonate with you yes yes and did the hole in your tongue close it did uh i I pierced my nose and it never it never healed well my nipple is uh infected forever oh no yeah yeah i have one giant nipple because i got a similar saint mark's really piercing yeah when i was i think 16 and a half but it's still all big and weird, and my father saw it, and his instant question was about uh, gayness. He wanted to <laughs> check that it wasn't gay-related. Was the first. Yeah, well, it's still massively He's doing deformed. his due diligence yeah. as a dad. That's really what you need to check. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. I'm just glad that, like, back then it wasn't, you know, I don't know, like, the bullying. Like, I, I don't know. I wasn't, I wasn't truly bullied. Yeah. Because I think maybe because the internet wasn't really, right, right. Like we had we didn't really use the internet. Yeah, 
we didn't even like our you know our camera phones were really shitty yeah 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 like really grainy yeah so like the way we bullied each other was just like i don't know like you can't sit with me at lunch yeah the normal normal shaming right it's just kind of disturbing that these that i i think young girls are growing up with so much imagery to always compare themselves to and it's I mean, we, I did too. Anyone with who grew up around a billboard or magazines did, but it just seems a little more um, pervasive now because of Instagram, you yeah. know? And like, they're not tweeting, they're on Instagram, you know? I wouldn't mind if all kids were like writing jokes or, or you know, just writing about politics on Twitter or something like that because you're thinking, but um, Instagram seems to really, it's just the worst of what's teenage. It's like the desire for someone to just say like and give you just a quick little jolt of approval right you know and even changing your face yeah oh and all that too yeah yeah, yeah. what do you mean changing your face or changing you can put Filters. a filter on what you can change the bones <laughs> you can change the bone structure your eyes um you know, give yourself a tan yeah that's Sounds just like normal. magic that happens no, now? yeah um what were yeah. you like as a teen <laughs> what were you like what did you want to be like when you were a teen oh i wanted to be an actress and um, I was on a swim team, so I was really into swimming. And I want actually, I wanted to go to the Olympics and then be an actor. I like these incredibly uh, unrealistic dreams that all involved me getting some sort of hardware, like an Oscar or a gold medal. That's all good, though. Like you those are the so dreams hopeful. you That's want. Fantastic. To- yeah, but it, yeah, I guess so. But That's they, great. but it was at the expense of like having regular friendships, and so I, I feel like I lived in a fantasy world a lot. And stayed there to like my mid twenties because I was on the road as a comic and there's nothing to do all day. And AOL was two seventy five an hour. So I couldn't afford it all the time. <laughs> and if I was like a road feature, you're only working like 30 minutes a day. And, and the clubs were like Tuesday through Sunday back then, most of them. And so there's nothing to do. And I just would just start living in my head about, you know, what I think just fantasy, you know? And I, so I think I feel like I lost some years of my life just living like that, you know, and I, when I meet comics now, they're like 25 and they're, they've got plans that are like reasonable. <laughs> I'm like, Oh my God, I wish I had been like that, you know, but I was just sort of floating. I'm, I feel like my head was in clouds in the clouds until I moved to New York. And then I had to, before that I was with my parents. My first writing job was a tough crowd. And it was one of the greatest shows. The ever. most so fantastic. Fun. Yeah, but I was like completely freaked out. And I was like, I, I got hired because I'm a woman. I'm not funny. They're, I'm just, you know, a token. And then I think I felt like that for a couple more years on other jobs. And I think maybe after a couple years at Conan, I was like, I, I think I know what I'm doing. <laughs> like, I felt like I had earned my spot. But, you know, there's there's always doubt in your head. And so if you, you can think of a reason to doubt yourself, you'll you'll make it work. I think it's pretty common amongst any writer, no yeah. matter what. Gary what Goldman was talking about that with us a few weeks ago. Oh, who, yeah. Who's another just devastatingly good writer. Yeah. Oh, my God. He's great. Yeah, he just did Conan a couple of weeks ago. It was really funny. How much doubt do you think is important, though, to have? Well, there's some people I'm like, you should doubt yourself because you're awful. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of comics like that. Where, She's talking about me. 
<laughs> no, I'm talking about comics. There's comics I wouldn't, I could picture where I'm just like, how are you still doing this? And don't you notice that nobody's laughing? It's a personality oh. disorder. That's right. how they're still doing it. Yeah, it's yeah, yeah. And so there, that's not enough doubt. And um, I guess you need to be to be cripplable, but not crippling doubt. Like it needs to be something where if you know, if you gave into it, you would be under the covers all day, but right. you also see a path out and, and the fear of being under the covers gets you on the path out. Mm-hmm. And so. Did it ever get to the point with you depression or anxiety wise when you were like, this is fucking with my work. I got to seek help from an outside fill in the blank. I let's see during, after I, I was with my son's father and then after I wasn't, um, I sought help because I was so angry. Uh, and so I, I was just full of rage. Like I hadn't felt in a long time. So I sought help then. And I also had like, um, my swim coach is in prison for child molestation. So so that sort of bled into my life a little bit. What happened to friends of mine were horrific. What didn't happen to me, but I was sort of, but even when, if you're still being coached by a pedophile, even if he's not jumping all over you, it's there's comments and you know, whatever. Uh, So then I, I, did a little therapy around that. I did something called um, EMDR. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, That was really, really helpful. And then oddly enough, I did Paul Gilmartin's podcast where he, I talked about that, that incident in that whole time for like an hour and a half. And after that, I was like, it's left me, (laughs) you know, it's, it was this like source of shame. And Oh, part of the reason it, it, became and comfort uh, is in 2007 um he tried to molest one of his swimmers and she went to her pastor and then uh then they started finding more victims and then they started going back to all the way to the 19 like 70s so we had a run yo he had an incredible run almost (sighs) priest-like (laughs) <laughs> yeah but he's in prison now so and he'll he'll die there he was sentenced to 40 years and he wow. was 70 when he was sentenced so well, i'm glad he actually got a lot of time I, yeah. I used to be a sexual abuse treatment provider oh and one of our major frustrations is people facing no repercussions for uh serially raping children right so yeah that's always and and what you experience that even if it wasn't you weren't physically assaulted. That still is incredibly uh, detrimental yes. for a lot of folks. Yeah, it was very de- detrimental for me, and that might have been why I spent a lot of time in fantasy. You know, for a yeah. while, uh, like a decade and a half. I mean, it, for me, com- compared to some friends of mine, uh, I'm just like, oh my god. You know, it was like an axe that just fell on someone else's head instead yeah. of mine by accident. You know, we would do groups though for. Uh, like friends and family of survivors when we would do holistic therapy. So like the, the survivor would be in one room, parents would be in another room, mm-hmm. but but like siblings and people around in the community got their own room because yeah, it, it is traumatic. Like the trauma bleeds out even for people that aren't the primary victims. I don't think a lot of people understand. Oh yeah. That. I mean, I think my dad felt, my I don't know. It's weird. Like I never was able to get my dad to talk. I mean, he, he wasn't a talker anyway, but I know he felt, probably guilty because um uh he went overseas to work 
because they were they (laughs) was a spy and they needed money and stuff um but uh that's when i was sort of alone and sort of uh vulnerable to this guy and i probably wouldn't have been Mm. if my dad had been home which i think he knew um because i may have yelled that at him (laughs) 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 but um so yeah i mean there's stuff like that where someone's gonna hold on to guilt like that for their entire life probably you know Sorry. And I'm sure this, the, the perpetrator was grooming you, doing fucked up shit with you as well that didn't actually end in a, yeah. abuse. Like sure. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, do you ever do trauma-focused cognitive behavioral therapy? I do you know? don't know if anyone told me that's what I was doing. The EMDR, the... I, I think I this fucked thing. up the acronym. Yeah, yeah the you, eye movement, where it's yeah, not really it's like about the eye washer. movement, but everything... Yeah around the eye movement that actually works, but they're like, we can't really empirically test the eye movement, so we'll throw it in, and it is really effective for PTSD. Yeah. And even for soldiers, and now they're putting VR helmets on soldiers to do it, so they relive the actual battle trauma. It's fun. You can see your Humvee blow up again and again until you uh, go through really? it. Really? Oh. Mm-hmm. They think watching it happen over and over again desensitizes? Exactly. Wow. Yeah, it's a version of exposure therapy, so. Weren't you recommending that I do that? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. She clearly <laughs> has, has has PTSD. Well, PTSD comes in many forms for many things. Your flavors. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Here's the fun, uh, Jessica. I'm going to space out for ten minutes and and just nod at you while you're like telling me your whole life story, but are really on another planet form of PTSD. Okay. Right. Yeah, that's spacing out. Yeah. yeah. Spacing out is uh, a way, I think it's a, I think it's an unexamined coping mechanism. It's exactly, it's like a prophylactic technique to get yourself out of stuff. Yeah, I mean, people, you, you, it's easy to look at drugs or alcohol, but just spacing out is a, something that people don't notice other people doing, really. You can, you can hide it. I feel like I lost a lot of time to living in fantasy, but you know, I look back, I'm like, did I need that time? Maybe I just needed to surround myself with gentleness or a pretend life that I was living. Like, and part of that is like showbiz too. Well, you know, comics are always like, something's going to happen. I just know it. And so it encourages this sort of fantasy thinking of this life is, temp- right. this is temporary. I'm going to be in a big house. I'm going to be this next year and that next year. And so that it, so the, I guess comedy sort of feeds into that anyway, or show business in general. It's not like a factory job where you're going to go to different sort of, you can see where the different levels are. Gosh, I, I don't know. The sooner you can get out of it, the better your life will be. Cause have a kid, honestly, <laughs> it really, um, uh, having my kid, there's no room for any fantasy <laughs> any longer. It's, it's so real all the time. I, I, sometimes I look back, I'm like, I can't believe I just fucking daydreamed for 12 hours and then did a set in Arkansas. And that was my whole week every day. Wow. <laughs> now I, I kind of like, Oh, that sounds like heaven. You know, and now my, I don't know. That's terrible advice to have a child just so you can change your personality. Whatever works though. But it will work. (laughs) (laughs) Hey folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF podcast. And this episode is brought to you by Kleenex ultra soft tissues 
your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. 